and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I'm Jamie Finch-Penninger and I'm joined here by Hamish as we do Coach's Corner, Zero to Hero and the Question Box for your auditory pleasure. Hamish, say hello. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Hamish. Um, what have you been up to in this week? Busy week for me this week. I've been moving house, working in the clinic and investigating some new software options. And those are? Um, upgrades to today's plan and Training Peaks WKO4. So they're essentially uh, programs which help you help follow your help follow your training program and allow you allow the coach to see what the athlete's doing. Yeah, they allow me to track my riders' progress, training load, and performance. Okay, this week I've been up to a bit of interviewing and a few previews. Um, Probably the biggest one was the Tour of Bright, where I talked to Kate Perry and Oscar Stevenson about what to expect from the upcoming weekend of racing. Should be a good one, especially for the women. There's a there's a jam-packed field full of talent. And in the men, it's some younger riders, but all very big talents in the future of cycling. Can we add a segment called Jamie's Predictions? Which actually brings me to talking about the other podcasts. It's... It's going to be a few extra additions to the podcast lineup here at the breakdown. Uh, we will be doing an Australian racing podcast with Kate Perry and Neil Vanderplug, and then we will also branch out into hopefully a women's world tour podcast and a men's world tour podcast uh, lineups to be confirmed there. But it's very exciting here at the moment at the breakdown. We hope that you can stick around and listen to them. That about wraps it up for the intro, so let's head into Zero to Hero. And welcome back. We're here for Zero to Hero, where we look at my pitiful performance over the past week. So how's that performance been? Five rides, did you get them out this week? Well, not quite five. I did four, but one was almost a double, double ride. I went to soccer on the Monday and rode there and back and it was about an hour each way so I think I think that qualifies look I'll give it to you this week we we aimed for five hours so if we got four rides five hours then that ticks the box I think how did it feel up the hills it was it was a bit painful at times uh, but if you put it into a lower gear it helps it was it was a lot of fun and it, by the time you get to the end of the week, you feel, yeah, I can get out for another ride, and, you, and your body is getting used to that that feeling as well. So, and I saw you set up a Strava account as well. I heard you set up a Strava account as well. What was the name? It's just under my full name, Jamie Finch-Penninger. So if you look me up in Strava, if you feel free to look at some very low numbers, then that that could be interesting for you, I suppose. But that's the point of this podcast, to be getting bigger and better. Yeah, get on board, give him a follow and track his progress over the coming month. Give him some banter as well, I reckon. Yeah, and uh, a kudos or two, I believe, is the terminology. So I racked up about 60Ks in total over the over the five hours, which is a low amount, I think we can say. There were a few technical issues as well. Uh, my derailleur is playing up which at one point prevented me from going to going into first gear which really made the hills even tougher than they than they should have been and eventually I got it to the point where I could 
I could get into the low gears, but I couldn't get into the high gears. So it's it's been a bit of a, a trek, and I'll 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 get it worked out for next week. Sounds like you need to drop into your local bike shop then. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> um, I did actually have some questions uh, arising from my riding this week. Um, I was talking about, I was thinking, what what you think about when you're going up a hill is, what gear should I be in when I'm, when I'm well struggling or or going maybe a bit too easy up the hill? I mean, should you aim to be on top of your gear, like pedaling within yourself, or? should you maybe try and push yourself a bit harder? Look, I really think it depends on the goal of the ride or even the goal of the hill within the ride. The gearing allows you choice. It allows you to make that decision, whether you want to go easy or hard, whether you want to be standing or seated. And so by controlling your cadence and choosing whether you go easy or hard or whether you're in a high or low gear, you can make those adjustments as you see fit. So for the goals of your rides this week, then staying on top of your cadence and maintaining consistency up the hill probably serves the purpose quite well and saves your legs for later. Well, thanks for that. I'll I'll certainly try and keep it a bit easier. Not that I've been going too hard. But then again, um, I've noticed that my route, the routes I've been taking have been going up quite a few hills. Is that something I should I should um, try and work work out of the of the routes that I take, or should I keep on trying to you know, take on the harder climbs? Look, I think at the moment, the climbs give you a reason to push hard. They give you a reason to pick up your pace a little bit. So that the, there has to be a bit of a trade-off there. There's, there's a benefit to pushing hard because we're going to get an increase in fitness, but we don't want to do it too often. So maybe utilizing your gears and picking a hill or two to push on would be a good option. We can also look at the way we pick routes and the, the how many routes we pick and give you some variance between the week, weekly rides yeah that certainly would be a good idea sometimes i feel that the motivation saps when you're going up a hill and and you think to yourself i'm never going to be good at this why, why am i even bothering so it would be it would be good to get a bit of variety in there i do i do enjoy going faster i suppose okay that's um that was a wrap up for the first week um time to move on to the plan for next week and uh Hamish, uh, what have you got for me? So I really think that the thing we wanted to tick off last week that we didn't is to get the heart rate monitor. I think that'll allow us to start adding another level to our data. And I think it's a really kind of basic choice that we can make that gives us information on where your fitness is growing. I think that really the key thing for me this week with you is to replicate the, the week before. If we can get another five hours out, another four to five rides in, then I think we're on our way to getting this preparatory phase over in your cycling. Okay, well, that will mean that there'll be something beyond the preparatory phase, I I suppose. So I guess we'll see how that goes. That's the base phase, mate. That's when we're going to start building some volume into your training. So you think five hours, we're going to start thinking probably towards the six, seven, eight hours for you, I think we can manage within your week. Um, that might take a little bit of new cycling kit to keep you comfortable for that long. And I think there's going to be a few things along the way that you're definitely going to become more appreciative of these pro cyclists. And that uh, leads us into our topic for the Coach's Corner. And I'll, I'll wrap it up there and we'll go straight into the Coach's Corner.
Okay, we're back with Coach's Corner, where Hamish Gorman takes his chosen topic of the week. And today, Hamish, would you like to introduce the topic? Okay, this week we're going to look at monitoring training in cycling. So we're going to look at some basic, moderate and advanced options that we can use to really push your training to the next level and make it fun, but also intriguing to learn more about your own performance. So at the moment, Jamie, in your cycling, you, you're basically only using your phone, right? Yeah, I'm just using Strava at the moment, which gives you you know, the readout of the elevation and it can do a rough estimate of your watts, but nothing too fancy. Yeah, so basically what the phone is utilising is the GPS. And it's probably the easiest metric for us to track over time. And we can use the phone as the most basic implement for doing that. We can also use a wide range of apps, whether that being Strava, Map My Ride, or even the Today's Planned app. So by using the GPS, we can then look where we've gone, how far we've gone, and how long we've ridden for. The easiest step after that is to add heart rate into your training. So this can be done by a heart rate strap or watch, and it usually utilizes either AMP Plus technology or Bluetooth technology. So that means it can either connect to your phone or to a cycling computer or watch. It allows us to start collecting data on the intensity of your ride. So the heart rate gives us a view into not just how far you're riding, but how hard you're riding. What are you looking for in those intensity numbers? I mean, is it a case of maintaining a constant or are you looking for the peaks and the troughs? I guess we're really looking more in the peaks and the troughs in in generalised training. And what we can start to do is once we get some data, we can put together some heart rate training zones for people. And this means that we can then target those zones to the style of ride that we're going for. So for an intense ride or some shorter, sharper efforts, we'd want to see that heart rate climb up and be in the top zones. So we can think about it very simply as a three-zone system, easy, moderate, and hard. The easy zone is you're in control, you're breathing, you're talking, and you're going for a That's something that you can hold for a long ride, say up to five, six hours. The moderate zones, this is kind of commonly referred to as tempo riding, is you're starting to not want to talk as much, you're breathing a little bit harder, and you can definitely notice that your legs are working but you're still in control of your performance. Once we get up to the hard, we've really crossed threshold, which we'll talk about in a later podcast. But this is where you start to lose control of your performance. Conversation becomes very difficult or limited at all. And you'll notice that your heart rate really spikes. And maintaining this effort for any length of time is very difficult. Where do you think your riding was this week, Jamie? Oh, I would say in... The moderate zone, um, but only because I'm so unfit. You wouldn't have known it by watching me from behind, for instance. But obviously, we can pick that up at, at later stages, and I guess that's the plan. Yeah, definitely. What we'll do over the coming podcast is we'll elaborate that three-zone system into a much more detailed six- or seven-zone system, and that allows us to be accurate in our prescription. Obviously, in a three-zone system, there's quite a wide span of heart rate that we're covering at any one point in time. So by going to a six- or seven-zone system, we can target those intervals much more accurately. And what do the intervals mean um, within within your three-zone system? I mean, are they different levels within that system or is it where you're coming from? So the intervals, like an interval that we'd prescribe would be 
within a zone, okay? And so I guess a tempo interval, a common tempo interval might be two watts of 30 minutes, and that might be right at the top end or the moderate to top end of that moderate zone. And it, it might be an interval where you're just able to maintain a conversation of a few words, but you're having to focus on that force through the pedal strokes. Okay, all these metrics come from a specific piece of tech. I mean, what sort of um, pieces of technology are you looking at at getting this information? Yeah, so what we're looking at for this is is really combining, so far what we're do we've done is combine heart rate data with GPS data. And we're recording that either on a watch or on your phone. The next upgrades that are the easiest to make is a cadence sensor. So when we were talking before about selecting a cadence going up and down a hill and making that easier or harder what we can do is utilizing a cadence sensor is actually record that information and see the choices that you've made along the ride and see how that's affected your ability to go up a hill so if you went up a, in a higher gear and you had a low cadence and you were really having to stomp on the pedals and push hard then we could compare that effort and the speed at which you went up that hill with a high cadence, low gear effort, and see which one's better for performance. That's where the heart rate monitor comes in as well, I guess, um, in comparing the two with the cadence. Uh, is there anything in particular that you look for when you compare the two? Yeah, so what we're looking to do with that stuff is really layer the data over the top of each other so that we can see the relationship that the heart rate response has to a cadence choice. Now, it's not as simple as always being a lower heart rate is better or a higher heart rate is working harder or moving faster because heart rate's not really an output metric. It's, it's dependent on more factors than just your, the force you're putting in to the pedals. And that really moves us on to those advanced options that we can take. The first of which is a power meter. Now, a power meter is probably my favorite of all the training devices, but also the most expensive. A power meter allows a cyclist to calculate and track the power output in watts that they have produced whilst pedaling. This allows improvements in training and performance to be tracked with incredible accuracy and over a variety of timescales. This allows a rider to compare any efforts between two or more rides independently of gradient, weather or road surface. And this is where the really elite riders make their gains and work out what they need to work on in terms of becoming you know, race ready. Yeah, definitely. The, the power meter allows the elite cyclists and the elite teams to both compare between their riders, but also then track their rider over time. So you can see the outputs that a sprinter is producing for the last five seconds of a sprint versus the, the power that a cyclist is able to hold for the whole climb up, say, Mount Wellington or Alp de Juez. And those riders are going to have very different outputs over very different timescales. But that's what makes them good at what they do. And what are some of the uses that you try and get out of a power meter? So definitely identifying a rider's strengths and weaknesses, helping them pace their efforts, both in training and racing, identifying the demands of racing. So that could be looking at what other riders have been able to hold up a hill or what other sprinters are able to produce at the end and knowing where you sit evaluating the effects of equipment and positional changes so an example of this would be if we make a change to your position on the bike and we're able to track the wattage and the speed that you're riding at then for a change in position 
if we are able to maintain the same speed for a decreased wattage, then it really shows us that we've got an improvement in aerodynamics and therefore an improvement in performance. We can also track training trends. So that might be your load or your vo total volume of training throughout the year, but it also could be improvements in specific power outputs at specific times. So that might be that at one point in the year, a cyclist wants to be really pushing for a five minute effort. And then later in the year, they're really looking to hone in their 40K time trial. And by identifying these powers at these different points in time, we're able to track their training and quantify their improvements over those time frames. The last thing that we really do is come down to analyzing training and racing. And this might be for a team that has a protected rider. So the idea for a protected rider during the race is, is not to produce more power, but is to produce less. So if a team is able to compare two riders, one who's meant to be protected and one who's meant to be doing the protecting, and the protected rider is producing more power, then something's probably going on, at least in the early stages. Yeah, you often see that as part of a race. Um, the the protected riders like your Alberto Contadors or your Chris Frooms getting surrounded by their teammates as they try to keep the wind off, and that's what they're doing it for, to keep that rider's power output down so he can shine on the climbs later or even save it up for another day. Yeah, definitely. They're trying to conserve their efforts to when they really need it most. The next one we're going to move on to is DI2 metrics. So once we've gone on to electronic gearing, most people just see it as a fancy way to change gears or an easier way to change gears. But what it actually allows an athlete or coach to do is to track gear selection throughout a ride. And then when we compare this to cadence, choice and power output, we get an accurate picture of the gearing decisions and their implications. This can be particularly useful as a rider fatigues on a climb or tries hard to maintain a large gear over a shorter push. Yeah, that must be a really powerful tool for looking at, in particular, I would, I would say, the really hard efforts and, and looking at optimising those. Yeah, definitely the hard efforts or time trial efforts are where it really comes into it because it might save you five watts. It may, might save you less, but every second counts in the end of the day. And there's, uh, there's other ways that you can utilize this, this material as well? Yeah, definitely. And probably my favorite, or the, my new favorite anyway, is, is video with data overlay. So we're starting to see this come out of a few of the crit races, more from a fun purpose but, than anything else. But I think it really has some nice kind of training and analytical side to it. So what it is, is it's recording video off the front of your bike whilst you're riding or racing and then editing that afterwards to display all the metrics that we've recorded on top of that video. So the most common kind of setup for this is a Garmin Verb video camera with a power meter, cadence sensor and heart rate monitor. And then what we do is we edit that using the Garmin software and we can then track a rider through the race, the choices and decisions they make, and the cost to their power output, to their heart rate, to their speed on the road at any point of time. So especially when it comes to crit racing and sprinting, we can really see the implications that a decision has on the physiological variables. If you're looking for examples on this on youtube uh, cycling maven do, um, does a great channel which puts um, 
a lot of um, his data over the video edits of particularly Criterion Racing, but I've seen a few road races that he's done. And it's very, it's very interesting to see that sort of view from within the peloton and then the numbers on top to see exactly how much, how much power has been put out and what circumstances mean that you have to put out the power. Yeah, I'm hoping that we're going to start seeing this from the more elite side coming up. I think there's, if we could, it would provide some really awesome insights as to what's going on. Now, I know that teams are so finicky about their power and their numbers and everything else, but having that view, I think it would really change the viewer the viewer experience of racing. I totally agree, but it will almost never <laughs> almost never happen because the teams really they really do guard that that information uh, tightly and it's it's a it's a pity in some ways but you can you can understand why christmas is coming we can only dream <laughs> well there's hamish's christmas present pro teams if you if you want to keep him happy put out some more numbers with some video footage okay so we're recording all this data but um what what do you do with it as a coach definitely from my end having this data is one thing but we've got to be able to store it somewhere we've got to be able to utilize it what are we doing with it to make it to get the information out of it that we need now there's a number of different platforms for doing this the most common are today's plan golden cheetah and training peaks and these sites allow a cyclist to log and store their training as well as take an in-depth look at the training metrics with these sites, we can look at tracking training loads over time, including TSS, ATL, and TSB, changes to power outputs and profile curves, or time in zones, including heart rate and power. These sites allow an athlete or coach to preemptively set a training program as well and see the effect that this will have on a rider's training loads or stress throughout a season. You mentioned a few acronyms there. Are you going to elaborate on, on some of them or at least what they what they generally mean yeah so what we're looking at with those acronyms um and i'll kind of go through them briefly is is the way in which we monitor a cyclist load throughout a season so the the acronyms that i use were tss which is a training stress score atl which is acute training load ctl which is chronic training load and tsb which is training stress balance now, these are acronyms that were developed by the guys at Training Peaks and have been in use quite broadly for a reasonably long period of time now. And what we can do with those different numbers, and I'll elaborate this, I think, in more detail in another podcast, but what we can do with these numbers is quantify both individual training sessions, but also those sessions over time, and then use those to predict a rider's readiness to race. So these training softwares are really about the long term and and building your season around a you know a long term plan. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's one element to it. The second element to it is analysing a ride file. So looking at those things, breaking down a race. So there's some really cool 3D data analytics stuff on today's plan, which allows you to see on a five minute window the changes in your power outputs. So you can see where you spent power and where you saved power. And you can see whether those riders who are working with you or for you, whether they really did your job or not. Sounds like it could create some problems within the teams then. I'm sure it does. 
Okay, and they're quite easy to use these these training things. They're accessible to the average average punter out there. Yeah, look, there's different sites. Probably the easiest to use, and the one that most people are the most familiar with is Strava. The thing it doesn't allow you to do as well is is some kind of preemptive planning. The other sites, especially today's plan and training peaks, are more about the coach athlete relationship and and the ways to kind of communicate both like to and from between those two and then to take an in-depth look at your training data so if you're inter- interested into delving into a data file and and looking at your heart rate and power outputs or cadence then they're the way to do it and this is for your advanced rider your elite athlete isn't it yeah but also your everyday punter so the same things that hold true in terms of your performance and your training loads and gauging improvements, I think it's really powerful for for me to be able to show the average cyclist how much they're improving on a weekly or monthly or yearly basis. Okay, thanks Hamish. That about wraps it up, I think, for Coach's Corner this week. And we shall wait with anticipation for next week. <laughs> Okay, and welcome to our worryingly empty segment, the question box, where there are still no questions. I think we'll check our, check our phones again, but there'll be nothing coming. Yeah, I checked both the virtual and physical mailbox this morning, and, and both were empty. I got a bit of junk mail, but none of it was relevant to cycling, unfortunately. Okay, well, we'll tell you the ways of, of getting in touch with us to ask us questions, if there's still any confusion there. You can follow the Breakdown podcast on Facebook where we will put up a post where you can ask questions or you can go directly to our website which is breakdownpodcast.weebly.com or you can follow us on Twitter at BreakdownPod or you can hashtag AskBreakdown which makes it easier to find. And if you want to follow my my cycling on Instagram, you can go breakdown zero to hero, or one word. Okay, that about wraps it up for th- this week's podcast. Hamish, do you have anything you want to say? No, I just hope I didn't bore you to death with too many analytics. Those acronyms were hell, Hamish, but we got through it. And no, I, th- I felt it it offered an insight into you know ways, quantifiable ways that it's um easy to work out how to improve. Yeah, hopefully we can give the listeners out there just a way to start thinking and looking about at their training and the way they use some of that stuff. So a lot of people are recording it, but maybe not really looking at it. Well, that that wraps it up for today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I've been Jamie Finch-Penninger and Hamish Gorman has been with me talking about cycling coaching. Cheers. Bye. Catch you later.